Hey, sports fans. Welcome to Greg Medford's show. It is Greg Medford with you. I'm here with the guest at Blade Show 2020 in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, my God. Did I just say 2020? It's a lot to do off the top of your head, and it's an unscripted show, folks. 2022, I think you know what I meant. I've been in a time warp since they shoved COVID up my ass. So here we are. I'm here with Peter Kohler from Dark Timber Custom yes, Knives in Golden, Colorado. Peter, how you doing? I am having a great time. I just want to say thank you. It's really gracious of you to have me come and talk to you. I've oh, been excited geez. about it. Ha- uh, happy to do so. You know, I've spent a little bit of time with your wife. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, she did the Naked and Afraid stuff. Yeah. And uh, she's, you know, when she's out there, she's always like, hey, did you hear about my husband, Peter Kohler, the knife maker? Yeah. She's always promoting. Yeah, I'm really lucky. Now for I'm you. really lucky yeah, in that she's way. She's your biggest fan. Yeah. I, it, you know. Oh, you're going to say there's other big fans? <laughs> it's like, it's, well, she's not my biggest fan. No, it's it, it, <laughs> when you have someone that, like, is behind you, supporting you, and telling you that you are special or good or yeah. great and, yeah. then, and then saying that it, it really pushes you i don't know about you but for myself as a maker i don't even consider i like as an artist i'm always questioning the next step i'm always questioning like what i'm gonna make and what i'm gonna do sure and so having someone that's like dude you got this like just do exactly what you're saying you're gonna do and it's gonna go well you know what i mean maybe it's hubris maybe she's gonna pump me up and i'm gonna fall on my face but it's nice to be like pedestaled and supported like the wet that and the way she does awesome awesome how long you guys been together i mean we've been married for the last two years and you know with each other a couple years before that nice and you guys have got kids right yeah she has two and i have two we're like a blended brady bunch family yeah you guys are like what is you guys are like two-thirds of a brady bunch right that's right that's right (laughs) it's a it's a brady group (laughs) it's basically it's it's just basically like a violent atmosphere and place to live because you've got a bunch of little motherfuckers wanting shit from you constant oh yeah Yeah, so it's they're they're on they're on the move yeah and you work at home, right? You have a shop at home? So I've got a shop at home, and then I've got uh, a facility in Michigan. So I do bladesmithing and, you know, make custom knives from home. And then I, my company, Dark Timber, puts out about, like, 2,000 knives a year, anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000. Just this last... So, the, wait a minute, the facility in Michigan, you run that also? I don't... So... It is owned by somebody else. I sublet that time. Oh, okay. I, I, and he, like... You know, I'm one of his main. So customers. you bought a hunk of his production in the OEMs. A hundred percent. Okay. Okay. I got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, and uh, is that all fixed plates? All fixed plates. All fixed, all fixed plates. plates. Cool. Unless you want to do something with me, and then you know, then I get to have like a my name on a on a folder, and that's just going to be awesome. I'm really it's excited a, about that. Let me, you know, the f- <laughs> fixed blades is an uncomplicated niche. Folding blades is a. <laughs> it's a whole nother bro beast, i don't man. i don't i just don't you know i it's <laughs> i haven't stepped into that arena and you know i am really happy where i am and with what i'm doing and i'm still like dude this show i don't know about you but i come to the show i'm super happy with everything i'm doing and then i see other makers and what they're doing i'm like wow yeah. look at look at how far i get to go look at all the stuff i'm going to get to learn yeah and get moving on you know it's funny uh if you if you make the foray into folders um you end up almost all the small makers and not in any disrespect to you mm-hmm. you're in a you're a niche maker yeah. and uh yeah. i was that way and then it kind of blew up into something else yeah. uh i deal with a lot of problems i deal yeah. with a lot of infrastructure machinery and business running right not as much knife making my mm-hmm. guys are all now trained knife makers and they deal and then when they hit a problem they can't solve they're like hey boss what do you think i'm like all right see the old guy still can be useful yeah but if you make that jump into folders 
there's almost this instantaneous pressure to go to China because yeah. there's almost nobody here who can do a great job making a folder. Yeah. And to do it yourself requires a Herculean lift that most makers in this building have chosen not to do. Yeah. They're like, yep, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Too much money, too much risk, too much management, too much. And so then they outsource. Well, to be honest, like if you're making, so I'm, we are, I am paying for doing and making, running my own production stuff too. And I, the, the facility that makes those knives, they didn't make knives. They made some parts for some companies for knives. They never made knives. So I've had to like play catch up and to teach myself how to teach other people to do this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like an infant version of what you started as. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where, and, and I'm learning to be able to catch and fix those problems as I go. But this last year has just been a nightmare to get things produced, you know, yeah. to get stuff out. Well, everybody's got an excuse now. There were no, yep. you know, having no excuses right. forces you to step up. You know, you, you, I feel you don't become a man until you pay your own bills. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we have no excuses. Mm-hmm. There's no excuses. I pay my own bills. <laughs> you know, it's when you become a man for the first time. Yep. And uh, it's the same thing in everything in life now. Uh, people, whether it was supplying you with materials or helping you with labor, uh, they had to do it. There was no excuse. Right. And it was uh, accountability. Right. That's all gone. Right. People drop the ball. They call in sick. And now it's, everything is just COVID, COVID, COVID. Well, I'm not, just o- sick not of only it. that, you, everybody's got this sense of entitlement. Like, and I don't know about you, but I started, I started on a one by 30 in my garage, right? With another job, dragging my knuckles across like grinders and equipment that wasn't set to do it. And you have to earn every fucking moment of it. You have to earn your whole way into it, you know? Yeah. And so when you've got a group of guys working for you and they have the smallest job, you know, and it's not done right. It makes you pissed. You're yeah. like, you like, look, man, you know, you don't deserve shit. You got to get this done and it has to look right. And it, it, I don't, I'm not going to accept anything but that. And right. so it's not only the excuse of it, but then they're, they're like, well, I got to get paid more and I need to have this. And oh, keeping yeah. people employed was oh, really yeah. hard yeah. over these last few months. Yeah. How did you, how did you start? What did that look like for you? Well, I, you know, the, I probably have, you know, and employees all, all say it's not true, but I've probably overpaid everybody almost since the beginning mm-hmm. based on... Their <laughs> you put your employees won't say it's true. No, no, no. no. Everybody will oh, say I underpay we'll them. Okay. But I probably overpaid everybody to, start, you know, because the thing is, is you get a machinist in who's spectacular and, and I grind up aerospace machinists and spit them out like turds mm-hmm. because aerospace machinists mostly suck. Because they're working in these big companies, they're making stuff for really cool aerospace, F-22, F-35, this thing, this satellite, whatever. But they've got 50 engineers overlooking everything they do and and handing them instructions on everything. Yeah. And at my shop, a machinist has to take tribal knowledge Mm -hmm. and take some programs and basic drawings and has to nail half-doubt tolerances. Yep. And so there's this instant personal, which is craftsmanship accountability, as opposed to, you know, if you, if you and I owned Honeywell, we would build this big structure to make sure mm-hmm. some pissed off alcoholic machinist couldn't fuck over the aerospace program. Yep. So you build all these checks and balances. Well, those guys grow up in that environment. They need them all to function. You know, they're handicapped. Yep. They're not, they can't come to a shop where we go, hey, man, the list of tolerances are all over here, like written in marker on the side of the machine. Yep. You just, those are the, there, there's only 12 tolerances here. Mm-hmm. 
well, how do I know? The, well, that's the only quarter inch hole we do. It's always going to be that. Well, how do I know that? Well, that's a pivot on a handle. That's not a blade. Mm-hmm. You know, so is it an apprenticeship then, basically, as they come up through that? It, well, the thing is, my point was before I got off okay. the rails is when you bring a machinist in, they're useless to me. They can't make knives. They think they can because they made fuel control nacelle things on jet engines yep. and all this. You fucking suck, man. You can't make knives. Yep. This doesn't need to fit. It needs to feel. Right. Because we make knives to. Feel. To feel and look. And feel is different than fit. Yep. And so the, sure. the whole world is made to fit. Right. And we make to feel. Dude, you're like... It's bizarre. You're speaking a language I understand because I am struggling with it constantly. Like, it's an aerospace factory, right? You should he be does, able to make my parts. He should be able to make my parts. But unless I'm looking at it, unless I visually get on it, it can be so... Fu- but I made it to, but I got it within this amount. It doesn't really matter, dude. You got to have it exactly this way. It's got to look and feel this way to the customer at the end of the day. So the truth is I hire in a machinist who says I made $26 an hour at Honeywell and I hire them in at $23. They think they're vastly underpaid because mm-hmm. they're taking a hit. Because mm-hmm. frankly, they were slightly overpaid before. And right now you're worth zero. You need months of training. Right. Right, and, but they're making twenty three bucks an hour. Yeah, and by the time they're trained, they're back to making twenty six, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty five dollars an hour. I'm not not paying these guys. Right. So the thing is, is like, um, because I have a martial arts background and I was teaching students and teaching instructors, I probably have a little rhythm for how to manage dissemination of information and the advancement of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So the thing with the team is. Uh, to get them in and then get them advancing and training and manage that expectation from the very first day. Do you work on trying to get them to believe in that product and believe in what you're doing or do you not find that to be all that important? They come in, they do the job and go. Because for me, I've always thought I need the people who are working for me and with me to believe in what it is I'm doing. I think um, I don't focus on that. I say, hey, listen, man. If your girlfriend is going to be embarrassed at the Christmas party, <laughs> I say this during interviews. Okay. If your girlfriend or your wife or fiance or your significant other, it's Gay Pride uh, Month. So if your boyfriend okay. uh, is going to not be proud that you're a craftsman, mm-hmm. and I say craftsman, mm-hmm. I don't say you're a worker, I don't say you're a machinist. I go, look, you're not a fucking machinist. I don't need another fucking machinist. I need a craftsman. Mm-hmm. And that means you have to care about every little thing. Because your grandfather would have cared. Because your father would have cared. And you make your ancestors proud. If that doesn't touch you, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I say it right there in the interview. People are like, oh, shit. And I'm like, the only thing we have to beat the Chinese is awesomeness. Yeah. And we're behind in awesomeness right yeah. now. Yep. Yeah. We, we can't beat them on price. We can't beat them on speed. We have to beat them on awesomeness and cool. So if that doesn't jive with you, fuck off and get out of here. Yeah. And then honestly, I mean, I'll hire a Democrat if they find a way to sneak through. But I generally find lefties are no bueno in knife making. Well, they they they're not interested in knife making for the most part. It's funny they're around here and you can spot them and they're flipping flippers a lot of them. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. There's a lot of lefties and what it what, the thing that's interesting about them is lefties whole thing is about like people can't be responsible for them the government has to be right that doesn't work at a knife maker core 
I'm accountable for this finish, this fit, this feel. Right. It's an instant accountability. For me, the love of the outdoors is what brings my group together, what makes them so tight knit. That's why they, you know, they're walking in with bagpipes, playing in together with cars. Oh, you've got a community number. thing you've but, built. But my point to that is, is yeah. that, you know, the, the like-minded community nature, we don't get that in our group. For the most part, you know what I mean, because they're 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 outdoors people. They're looking for the country and the place that they grew up in that they don't recognize anymore. And so, part of the reason my knives even sell the way they do is because those people feel comfortable with one another. They feel happy to be a part of that community. They want to go out and yeah. use those knives together and share those philosophies and and go to the camp outings and do all of the you know. Um, I got a totally different yeah. audience, man. I got a yeah. totally different rhythm. And what is that? Well, it's rugged individualism. It's not mm-hmm. not group stuff at all. I mean, not I mean not not that I'm against anything groupy. It's just right. it is rugged individualism, and mm-hmm. uh, I just have a different zeitgeist. It's funny, right? We're all. It's like inclusive to being good to one another. You know, we say be excellent to one another all the time in our group. That is like our philosophy. Like, be excellent. Don't be shit. Seriously, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, straight quoted on every single thing I write is be excellent because we're looking for people that are actually going to treat each other well. You know, we find, we, we say prayers in our group. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're still down. It's, it's like Heartland America is the group that we have. What's it called? The Dark Timber Brotherhood. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I see. I didn't. I didn't even know what the Dark Timber Brotherhood is. So tell me about that. So you know, for, I was like, I was just a dude who did not know how to make a knife that was trying to make knives in his garage, and I and I had been put on a YouTube video by a guy named Chris Tanner with Prepared Mind One Hundred and One, <laughs> and Chris, for whatever reason, he was like reviewing like every, you know, all your cold steel, every standard SE6, whatever knife. And he wanted to do a custom knife review. And he reaches out to me and does a review. And I go from zero to hero in one night because he says, this is the best knife I ever had. This is fucking awesome. And then all of a sudden I've got 300 people making orders. Okay. Um, Long and short of is it, it, it make a another guy makes a group for me on Facebook and calls it the Dark Timber Brotherhood. I don't. I'm like, why do I need another page? Like, why do I need it besides my business page? Why do I need a private group? You know what I mean? And I didn't know what to talk about in there. I didn't know what to do in there. So I just said, I just started asking. You know, what do you like to do with your knife? When was the last time you went hunting? What is it that you do? And that group went from, you know, real quickly hit up to 17,000 people, you know, and gatherings with 200 people camping out together, like throwing weddings and doing just crazy shit. Um, And it was just all based on this little, this little thing that happened on YouTube, this little guy, you know, that, and I've been chasing, trying to be a good enough knife maker to have that community believe in me for the the rest of the time well i would say that you probably they're gonna there's gonna be a there's some sweet spot where you can do both but there's a divergent point as well because i think that running a business and uh scaling up a company as soon as you go beyond the individual yeah it's hard to retain that sense because uh very few people are peak performers Mm -hmm. and uh and manufacturing, I say it's the most honest profession there is, probably besides prostitution. It is exceedingly honest because what did you get done? 
how many knives are done how many knives sold did you make any money yeah how long did it take yeah it's like farming it's a brutally honest business it is but my transition has been i've been doing it you yeah. know what i mean like my last 700 knives sold in five minutes we've we the that community has grown like it has it has kept up and as long as i feel like the quality is there and i make little improvements every single time yeah. and everything i make it's constantly an improvement so the first you asked, sucked. you asked me a minute ago how yeah. do you how did you how do you do this and how yeah. do you do that yeah well there's some stuff coming if you scale up you know when you have mm-hmm. a half a dozen employees you can kind of be a merry band of brothers right because i was a merry band of brothers okay yeah. It was a merry band of brothers. We right. were mostly veterans. We were mostly combat vets. Right. We were mostly infantry. We all ground knives together, covered in dirt. Yeah. Swap days, listening yeah. music. It was a brotherhood. I mean, I hear that I'm still the one grinding. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but as soon as I wasn't a grinder anymore, yeah. and I was looking at what the numbers were, and the machine needed to be fed. Yeah. Uh, and I slipped into businessman and knife maker, and now I've really slipped into businessman very, very heavily. Yeah. Uh, the paradigm shifts a little bit. Yeah. And. and and, and it can't be a brotherhood anymore. And I notice all my employees from that period, they all left. Yeah. Yep. They all left. Did they all expect something from you? You know, I don't know what they expected. I think mm-hmm. in some ways I was their big brother. In some ways I was a father figure for many of them. Um, I think in some ways I was kind of this truth teller. And as soon as I was doing business and they didn't see how it was connected, yeah. they thought I'd betrayed them. Okay. Um, and, uh, there is, there is a, you know, you can't disseminate every piece of information to every guy who works for you. So now they feel like they're in the dark or they feel like they know everything and you don't know what's going on. Right. You're in the dark. Right. And now they're working for just another guy who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. There's that. So there's a scale thing that happens making it in house. Um, and, uh, when you have, when you go from, I'm going to say the number's probably six or eight employees. When you go from there to 15, yeah. that's a pretty good jump. When you go from 15 to 30, yeah. and now you know we're around 50, it's it's uh, it's significant. And you get distance from people. Yeah, and, and my 15 is only a part-time 15. It's not every single day, day in and day out. It's it's boutique, you know, uh, 600 knives here, 500 knives there. It's not like what you're talking. And I think the knife community is lucky to have you Oof. because you're a wealth of knowledge in that you know what i mean yeah. and like it, at least with me when i've spoken to you in the past you're very open yeah, i always tell you i want everyone to succeed because yeah. there's enough room for all of us to kick ass that's right that's right but it, but there's i i feel you and appreciate i do have big lessons on the horizon yeah and i'm not sure <laughs> what i'm gonna do with well, that. listen yeah. sometimes you don't want them yeah no, man. i know man sometimes you're like you know what man i want us to i want to semi 420 friendly crowd that gets married in the trees yeah totally cool with that yeah uh but it ain't gonna happen when you scale up because yeah. when you scale up all of a sudden everything that's weird starts getting hammered Dude, out I, you know. and, the, and the fear the fear of like hey how big is my community actually and when do oh, i yeah. overwhelm them that's and when is that right. gonna come back to bite me you yep. know and i don't want to do that to yeah. them i yeah man yeah i, I was you. you know we the same thing going on forever i was like i mean how many how many people do you think will buy a 500 yeah alive? i'm like now my answer is like i don't know about 10 million so i got a few to go we're all right yeah well, <laughs> congratu- <know>? congratulations on <laughs> oh, that thanks. man but, and thank you but that's just me. my bullish attitude you know yeah. i'm like nah, man who cares i'm gonna make it till i break it let's yeah. go yeah and uh i'm a bull in a china shop in that regard you know i kind of artfully dodge around in the marketing and and uh and i love drawing and making knives but 
Uh, what I really like now is kind of putting the team together. I love seeing uh, young people become professional craftsmen. I love seeing the pride they take in workmanship. Um, those are the things that really make me happy. People are like, oh, this drawing of this knife or this knife or that knife. Uh, drawing knives doesn't really excite me anymore. I'll, what excites me is uh, somebody whose needle is never quite caught on the record and they find my company yeah. and they boom and all of a sudden they're a beast. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, it's funny. My evolution, people say, oh, he's gotten away from the heart. He's gotten away from the soul. And I'm more interested in the human component now right. than I ever have been because I see that as the... I loved creating knives, making them with my hands, seeing them come to life. Right. And I still love... But now I love seeing my team do that. And I they are now like kind of my little creation as a puppet master. You've created you know? an, an ecosystem. Yeah. And that's a bigger it, thing than a knife. Yeah. 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 Or a design. That's and, awesome, And what's man. awesome is like they're better at making knives than I was. Yeah. I mean, like our knives are better than my knives. Yeah. They really are. I feel you on and that. And I'm like... And it's the greatest compliment. Yeah. You know, I used to teach martial arts. If a kid could pull off roundhouse kicking me in the face, I was never hostile about that. I was always like, oh, look at you, good for you. you know, like, oh, my God, you just kicked me in the face. Fantastic. Well, uh, awesome having you here. And the so show's much. been great for you. We sold out in the first five minutes, and I opened my books for the first time in five years. Took a year's worth of orders, and I'm going to go back home and figure out what the next thing to do with my life is. How many knives a month do you make in your shop? Uh, two. Two knives a month. I, I made I made about fifty five knives for Blade Show. Okay. Make about two knives a month in 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 my shop. I work at a very slow pace, and then I do you know like I said around two thousand mid tech knives a year. Okay. Um and and I don't know what I don't know what the world has next for me. I don't know what I'm gonna. Listen, do next, if you're so. paying your bills and you can do that, you just keep on doing it. Don't yeah. get your stress level, man. Cause yeah. I'm like. I'm sure this is taking years off my life. I don't know about it yet, but I'm sure it's happening. Guys, Peter Kohler uh, from Dark Timber Knives. Yeah. Um, you guys are out of, uh, they're out of Colorado, and uh, they've got uh, his customs, and then he's got his uh, mid-tech line. Yeah, and check it. us out at, uh, on Facebook at the Dark Timber Brotherhood. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the time. It is an honor to get to sit with you, my friend. Great to have All you right. here. All right, sports fans, that's the show. Greg Medford from Medford Knife, the Greg Medford Show here at Blade Show 2022 in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm out. Peace.